Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 455 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Lance Nix. I'm your host, Chad Dotson, with me again this week. Uh, good to have you back. Nate Dotson, how are you, Nate? Chad, if I were any better, I would be Pete Davidson's publicist. Oh, yeah, I am wonderful. Living the good life. <laughs> outstanding well good to talk to you again we're here to talk about the cincinnati reds and uh, actually some news this week to talk about so i'm excited to get into it always good when we have some off-season news before we go any further uh, as always if you're watching on youtube hit that like button smash the subscribe button if you're listening to the audio version wherever you listen to it apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, amazon music um hit that follow button or subscribe button and uh and listen to us. Now, I don't know if you noticed this week, but I had a bunch of people reach out to me. And uh, this is the week of the year where if you are a Spotify customer, they deliver your uh, yearly wrapped is what they call it edition with all the all the artists that you like and everything you listen to. And I had a, several people reach out and say, hey, look, uh, you know, the Riverfront up here that listen to the Riverfront more than any other podcast or, you know, top two, three podcasts I listen to. I really appreciate any of you to do that. Send it to me on, on Twitter or put, drop it in the mail. Just put a stamp on it. Fax it to me if you're living in 1986. But uh, I don't know, Nate, I thought that was pretty cool. I appreciate everybody doing that. That was super cool. Uh, there's a couple people that actually included my name in uh, those shout outs and I appreciate them for lying and pretending that I brought value to their lives. So that was, that was kind of them. It is the season. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. Uh, Nate, uh, you, I'll give you one guess as to my number one artist of the year was on my, uh, my Spotify wrapped Taylor Swift, Taylor, close, uh, not close. Um, no, it was the hold steady. Ooh, I would steady. not, I would not have guessed that 10 guesses. Maybe. I actually wouldn't have guessed that either. Um, it surprised me a little bit. So I thought for sure it was going to be uh, Bing Crosby. Oh, Christmas all year long. Exactly. All right. So now let's talk about the Cincinnati Reds this week. The biggest news of the week for me specifically, because I am the uh, world's resident Reds Hall of Fame junkie. We talked a couple weeks ago that uh, Bronson Arroyo was elected to the Reds Hall of Fame. Well, he's going to have some company. Uh, the uh, Reds announced this week that Former relief pitcher Danny Graves, former Reds general manager Gabe Paul were selected by the uh, Reds Hall of Fame's Veterans Committee. Now, before we go any further, I got to have my annual complaint or semi-annual complaint. Why in the censored am I not on the Veterans Committee? No one cares about the Reds Hall of Fame more than me. Why am I not on this committee picking these um, uh, candidates? Uh, so I have a, a couple of just quick thoughts, but uh, Danny Graves and Gabe Paul, frankly, are. Um, are certainly um, good candidates, deserving candidates of the Reds Hall of Fame. Do you have any uh, quick and dirty thoughts on on those two? Yeah, you know, I was a little bit surprised to see everyone sort of unanimously agreeing that Danny Gray's belonged because I associate him with a 
pretty impressive period of, of losing um, in Cincinnati. Only two seasons uh, during his tenure were, were winning seasons. But once you got into the numbers, you're right. I mean, he uh, you know, that 3, 3.96 ERA was lower than I would have guessed. That 2000 All-Star season was filthy. And he's got some of the other little peripherals, too. You know, he's the only Vietnamese-born MLB player, which is really, really cool. And he just kind of held a spot down for Reds teams that had to have somebody out there. And he showed up. He showed up every night. And, yeah, at the end of the day, I came around. Well, you know, I'm, I'm hesitant to even mention it, but, but it's what colored my um, opinion of Danny Grace for a long time was the way it ended with him. It was a really ugly departure, and he flipped off a Reds fan, and it was just – it was really nasty uh, ending. But – you know, I started this project at my my newsletter, chaddotson.substack.com. Go subscribe for free. But I started this project this offseason that I'm calling uh, the Big 101, and it's the 101 greatest players in Reds history. And I made it up to uh, number 92, I think, at this point. But when I went through and made the list, um, I was surprised. Danny Graves ended up being number 101 on my list. Mm. And I, I was like you, once I started looking into the numbers, I, I was surprised at how good he was. I mean, nine seasons with the Reds, all time saves leader in Cincinnati, far and away the highest total in uh, of saves in, in franchise history, two time all-star um, his first five full seasons with the Reds. He was one of the best relievers in baseball, 140 ERA plus. I mean, um, you know, I, I just think uh, that number one on my one hundred and one list could have gone to a lot of different people, but but Danny Graves was was deserving. Um, Gabe Paul, Gabe Paul was uh, the Reds general manager from nineteen fifty one to nineteen sixty. You know, they, uh, they broke the color barrier at that time, um, adding uh, Chuck Harmon and uh, and Nino Escalera in nineteen fifty four. Then he ah uh, Nino Escalera, yeah, that's exactly right. As you would know if you'd read the Big Fifty, the Men and Moments that read that read about the what was that book's name <laughs> gosh it's, anyway um so he uh, a lot of a lot of uh, talent from uh, latin america came in during that time he uh, signed or acquired uh, frank robinson tony perez uh, pete rose gus bell jim maloney jim o'toole so um i think a deserving candidate yeah some other cool little notes he was the youngest gm in the league when he took over the position 41 years old um 56, he was named the Sporting News Executive of the Year. The Reds won 91 games, and the season attendance topped a million, one million for the first time. And then, interestingly enough, at least I found it somewhat interesting, the uh, the team established their their Hall of Fame during his tenure. Yeah, so. so anybody deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It's yeah, great as fuck. Uh, he laid the first brick. Uh, the only thing I'll say that uh, I think is impressive about uh, Gabe Paul is this. He's the only general manager in Cincinnati Reds history to actually wear leather pants. Oh, wait a minute. I'm no. I'm hearing from the home office. That was actually Jim Bowden. I'm sorry. I was I was confused. Jim Bowden easy, wore leather easy pants. Mistake. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the only other thing I'm going to say is the same thing I say every time we talk about the Reds Hall of Fame. I'm not going to go off on a rant like I do every single time, but it is completely and utterly absurd that three new players are being in, uh, inducted, or three new individuals, two players are being inducted in the Reds Hall of Fame, and none of those is named Reggie Sanders, by far the biggest snub in uh, the history of the uh, Reds Hall of Fame. It's just ludicrous. And not that I can argue against Bronson Arroyo or, or Danny Graves getting in, but come on, neither of those guys are as good a candidate as. Reggie Sanders, what are we even doing here? Rant over. I think we should we should dial this up around the start of the season, run it through the next election cycle, 
and see if we can't really get some momentum going, get a little ground swell of support in the Cincinnati area, and make it happen. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look dive into the rules to find out exactly when the, the voting all that's gonna happen. We need to make really make this happen. Yeah, that it. needs to be our next billboard. Um, and only only because Reggie Sanders came on the on the podcast one time, and I might be able to get him back on the show again. Um, if the Reds haven't told him to, if the Reds uh, brass hasn't told him to ignore us, because um, they uh, they do that. Anyway, other news of the week, uh, not a whole lot to say about it because neither you or I, I don't think, are actually going to be attending. But Reds Fest is uh, is coming up. Reds Fest is a uh, an annual festival celebrating the Reds, hence Reds Fest. Friday, December second. That's uh, today, if you're listening on the day this podcast drops um, and goes through the weekend. Uh, 80 play- former players, coaches, et cetera, broadcasters are are going to be there, including Alejo Lopez, Ooh. Buck Farmer, Let's go. Nick Solak, Reaver San Martin. Now, now I don't, don't believe you. Justin Dunn. Also, you know, Joey Bottom, Jonathan India. How about these? How about these uh, alumni that are going to be there? Billy Doran, Brett isn't Tomko. He guy, isn't he the guy from Major League? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, uh, maybe not. Ooh, Jack Billingham's going to be there. He's he's old. Mario Soto, that's good. Um, I don't know. Whatever. It's uh, it's if you're going to go, I, I I'm not telling anyone to boycott it. Uh, I'm not boycotting. Reds Fest. I'm just not going because I who can get excited about it. But um, but Reds Fest is always every time I've been, it's been a good time. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that is this weekend. Yeah, if you want to go, go. People are getting fired up about it on the interwebs. It, it looked like there's some really cool stuff going on. Been seeing some pre-interviews with you know Tyler Stevenson, Graham Ashcraft, Hunter Green's got the family down there. It's uh man, baseball's it's it's fun. So go there, have fun, take your kids, let the kids meet some of their uh, you know some of their heroes and. I don't know. It's a pretty cool thing they do, even if the rest of what the Castellanis do is garbage. We can like this. Well, and and so so much of the proceeds of this go to the Reds Community Fund and charity, and 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 also, you know, I played in the the poker. They have a poker tournament for charity every year, and uh, I played in that once. had had a blast, and all the, all the proceeds. Uh, good. I finished in the t- I fa- final twenty. I made. I didn't make it to the final table, but I made it. It was probably one hundred fifty to start with. I made it to the final twenty, so I felt like I was okay. But. um yeah, uh, and I knocked out former uh, Reds uh, reliever. Gosh, what's that guy's name now? They got a jersey somewhere because you have they have to give you their jersey if you knock them out. Is it Carlos something, <laughs> um, not Carlos Guevara. No, hey, uh, I don't remember his name anyway. That's ridiculous. But but anyway, no, what, it's good. It is a good time when they knock you out. <laughs> I'd give him my underpants. <laughs> I don't know. That, that's frame in a beautiful frame on somebody's mantle somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So yeah, Reds Fest always fun. Um, we uh, mock the Reds often here and say bad things, but uh, not this time. Now, um, Joey Votto. You remember this guy, Joey Votto? Oh man, how could I forget? Some great Joey Votto uh, content this week on his Instagram. This week he, he had a, a video of him taking his first swings off of a tee. Very tentative swings, but at least he's got a bat back in his hands and. After that shoulder surgery, he's he's making his way back. Uh, so yeah, that is what it is. It's not not that exciting, other than just he's getting better. He no longer has all that c- contraption on his shoulder. But that's not the biggest Joey Votto news of the week, Nate. What is? What else has Joey been up to? <laughs> Joey Votto played in his first 
chess tournament, like uh, an over the board chess tournament, not like online, uh, you know, and then when I do the chess.com stuff too, but, and I'm, I'm awful at it, but he played in his first uh, chess tournament. Did you see the picture of him at his chess tournament? <laughs> yeah. That's, this is the part that I wanted to get into. Yeah. yeah just, just a quick recap. Like, first off, Joey's going to have a monster year. I can feel it. I don't know. I don't I got no reason. There's no evidence other than I'm just feeling good that Joey's going to have a big year. But second, can we just get a little vibe check? Get a little vibe <laughs> check going on Joey Votto? I mean, even his fit while he was taking cuts on that IG post was solid. You know, orange little winter cap, rolled up jeans, looking mad comfortable. But then that chest turning outfit, man. The glasses, suspenders, the tie, the lumberjack beard going, man. Like we we do not deserve Joey Biden. We just don't, and Except I dread the day. Way. Yeah, I, I dread when he's not not with us uh, as a, as an active player anymore. Uh, if you haven't seen the picture, go look for look at the Joe, just Google Joey Votto uh, chess tournament. It'll come. It's a it's an amazing amazing picture. I'm actually uh, I've already sent it off uh, to the lab to get it uh, uh, framed. I'm gonna hang it here in my uh, in my office. But uh, that beard, the beard is looking really strong. You know what? I think I've decided that I'm going to grow a little playoff beard with Joey. Oh, I will shave my beard whenever Joey Votto shaves his, or my relationship depends on. <laughs> okay, which is understandable. Understandable. Uh, I hope you do that uh, because you're right. It's a fantastic beard, and I'm I'm Glorious. jealous of it every time I see it. You know. So the chess tournament, uh, just quickly, um, Joey Votto. Well, um, he got uh, he lost in his chess in his chess tournament. He lost to a nine year old, <laughs> <laughs> which I would too. I'm not making fun of him. Chess is hard. I love it. I love chess, but it's hard. Uh, he lost to a nine-year-old. Can you I imagine a nine-year-old of, that beats Joey Votto? That's got to be great. I want to know if the nine-year-old knew who he was while they were playing. Also, can you? I, I can't think of a single other professional athlete that puts himself out there in that way. Everybody's so concerned with their brand that they would never do something like this, especially if they're going to get demolished by... <laughs> prepubescent child right <laughs> but joey didn't care man he was out there he, he he was honest about it he looked amazing I don't yeah know. You're, but you're right about that early in his career joey was a little bit reserved we didn't see some of that but he, consistently over the course of his career uh, going back to the dudley do right to get up and the donkey <laughs> and you know he, uh, just over the years, we've seen more and more of that. And here in the last two years, I think he's just decided, I'm going to let everybody see who I am, which is just a yeah. weird dude. He's a weird, unique dude. And I don't say that as a criticism. He's no. just a, yeah, I mean, uh, he's himself. And he's, uh, he's lo he loves who he is now. And he, really, he, <laughs> you're right. Who else is going to have part of their brand dressing up like that and losing to a nine-year-old in a chess tournament and letting <laughs> the world know about it? I love it. I love everything about Joey Votto. He is, you know... Stunts like this have nothing to do with baseball, but I, at the end of the day, he's going to end up being the guy that I say is my favorite player of all time. I've always said it's uh, Barry Larkin, you know, but I just, uh, I don't know. Nobody, you, no players with careers like his, like they don't endear themselves to you more in the last few years of their career. It's always what they did early on in their prime. That's that's true. Actually, that's, that's and interesting. Then you, you, you live with them. So you that's pretty rough. He has found a way to take what may end up being a couple down statistical years and turn them into maybe my favorite Joey Votto years of his entire career. And how does he even do that? I mean, how, how, that's just not something you see. You know, I, just, I don't know. 
I love it. I am just, uh, oh, thank you, Joey Votto, for being Joey Votto. All right, other news of the week. Actually, before we do that, let's before we get off of Joey's chest, we did have our first viewer mail question of the week was about this. So let's go ahead and, and answer the first one. This question comes from our buddy Rich Thompson. These viewer mail questions, as always, come from our friends at patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy. That's patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy, where you two can support the, the podcast. Gentlemen, I recently read that Joey Votto entered his first chess tournament and got knocked out by a nine-year-old. With that said, how do you think Joey will respond moving forward with his chess career ambitions after being humbled by a preteen? Will he go down as an obscure, less than memorable slash unremarkable chess player who only played on Sunday afternoons in local parks? Or will he rebound and become a grand master? What do you think, Nate? You got any, any, any thoughts about uh, Joey's future chess career uh, possibilities? If Joey Votto wants to become a grand master, if he sets his mind to becoming a grand master, I'm not going to tell him it's not going to happen. I'm not going to doubt the guy, especially when he comes out and hits 40-plus bombs this year. So, I mean, he can, do, he can do anything. Joey Votto can do absolutely anything and there's just no question about it so yeah we're counting on him being an international grandmaster joey Votto. there if you're watching on youtube is that you can see the picture of joey Votto <laughs> with the beard and the suspenders and the tie and that's him at the chess tournament oh that's glorious i have it on good authority that's also uh carlos guevara they're siding behind him a little bit was it oh let's, let's go back to the 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 uh the picture Car- that is that carlos that can't figure out how Team- to TMZ said it's Carlos. He's uh, he's checking out the open bar. <laughs> he's got he got a hat, a Reds cap on. Looks like, but he can't figure out how to connect it to the backers. You got a what is that? A uh, a ponytail? Maybe I can't tell if there are just somebody can't figure out how to connect the, the bat in the back or the well, hat. Speaking of Carlos, real quick, not baseball related, but I think he just had a uh, had another child. So congratulations to Carlos. Really. All this on, on, on the Twitters, when the only time Twitter was worthwhile. So congrats, Carlos. Congrats to your family. Glad everybody's healthy and safe. That's awesome, brother. I've largely been away from Twitter uh, in recent weeks, and so I hadn't seen that. Yeah, congratulations, Carlos. Really happy for you. All right, so other news of the week. Uh, and just we'll kind of run through these pretty quickly because there's not a whole lot to say about him necessarily. Aristides Aquino, our friend, uh, former outfielder, he signed with um, the Chunichi Dragons of uh, the, the Japanese league, 1.2 million, one-year deal uh, with also a signing bonus of 300,000. So a million and a half dollars for Aristides Aquino. Good luck to you. Godspeed Aristides. I hope you do well. I hope you throw out lots of Japanese players at the plate, not because they're Japanese, but just because I'm, mostly that's who you're going to be playing against. Um, all right, I don't even know what I'm saying there, but I hope you keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I kind of got out on, out on a ledge there. I didn't, I didn't know how to, didn't know how to escape. I don't, I don't know what I'm talking about here. You know what I mean. Good Lord. It's like I'm sitting here playing cards with my brother's kids or something. You nerve-wracking sons of... Anyway. Cut me up. Aristides, can we get back to the topic, Nate? Quick, get me off topic. Yeah. Anything you want to say about Aristides? I hope, uh, go get him, man. I hope he hits a million dingers over there. You know, I even hope he figures something out and comes back and finishes out his career in the major leagues. But I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm glad that he won't be patrolling right field a great American next season, as much as I'm going to miss him, you know, tossing darts to gun dudes out at home during six, two losses to the pirates. <laughs> yeah. Good, good luck to him. I have no bad things to say about Aristide. I mean, that's if you're smart about it. Your, your family's now set. Good job. Yeah, go awesome. get that. 
go get that money for as long as someone will give you money to put on a uniform, go do it. And uh, the guy never did anything, but try as hard as he could for the Cincinnati Reds. Was he good? No, was he, you know, he had some, he did some good things, but we're always going to have that August uh, player of the month of his rookie year. And uh, you know, good for you, Aristides Aquino. I do expect that by August the 17th, he'll be back in right field for the Reds. (laughs) It's my prediction. Reds signed a catcher, Nate. They did indeed. Was it Tucker? No. It was not Tucker. And there was some, some chatter this week that the Reds might be something that we've talked about here on the show. Go get Tucker Barnhart back. Let him be the backup to Tyler Stevenson. No, they signed uh, Luke Mail. Actually, I presume that's how you pronounce that. Now I'm looking at it. It has to be. Myla. Myla. Luke Myla. Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you would know. You you lived in China for years, okay? True. Um. Luca, Mail, Mila, whatever, one-year deal to catch for the Reds, $1.175 million. Now, what, what this means is a couple things. Number one, this, this is your backup catcher. The Reds are not going to go get anyone else. This is the guy. Um, they have to go get more AAA depth because, as we saw this year, you can't have too much depth at the catcher position. They're going to have to still fill out the uh, some of that uh, roster depth. But here's your backup. The other thing is it continues a long tradition of the Cincinnati Reds signing local guys. Mail is uh, Covington Catholic High School uh, and University of Kentucky. And, uh, you know, is he good? No. Is he a legitimate big league backup catcher? Yeah, I think so. And so, uh, I, you know, what more are you going to say about a backup catcher? I, I don't object to it. Probably better than the backups they had last year. And so there you go. The Reds are a 99 loss team now. Yeah. Um, just in a vacuum, he, you know, he posted a positive. War, four of his seven seasons. Um, he's probably better than most backup catchers in the league. So any way you shake a stick at it, he's better than every non-Tyler Stevenson option they trotted out last year. Sure. No question. He, he can't hit very well. That's that's why he is a backup catcher. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, it's not going to make the Reds a playoff team, but it does make the team better at that position than they were at any point last season. Yeah. Yeah, decent arm. Uh, you know, I, again, nothing, nothing to criticize. Nothing to be extremely happy about. It doesn't really move the needle. But you know, you got to make sign a backup catcher. You can do worse. I'm sorry, man. If you got a, if you got a picture of yourself as a child wearing a Reds uniform, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We want all those guys. So uh, we'll be rooting hard for him. Last, uh, I guess this is the last. No, there's a, well, there's one thing I do want to talk about before we get into all the viewer mail. But the the last news of the week is the Reds named uh, their 2023 coaching staff. And, you know, it's a, none of it really matters. I mean, whatever. Good. I hope they're all good. They're a bunch of, you know, guys. And I'm not, if you want to break down any of it, you're certainly welcome to. Uh, The only thing I would point, I mean, we're talking about uh, Joel McKeithen as the hitting coach. Um, It's like a made up last name, by the way. (laughs) No, I I think that sounds like the character on uh, 1980s sitcom Facts of Life. I'm pretty sure they had a character named Joel McKeithen. I don't know. He was friends with George Clooney uh, and was hitting on Blair one episode. Who hasn't hit on Blair? Exactly. Um, So, you know, uh, the only one that I thought was interesting was the assistant hitting coach. And again, if you're screaming uh, on uh, the interwebs about the assistant hitting coach and all these people, come on, get a grip. Um, Settle down. But Nate, did you see who was named the assistant hitting coach taking over McKeithen's role? Was it the fella from the Royals? No, it was a fellow from the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Oh, that's right. Terry was, uh, Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw, Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Also star of the um, major motion picture, Failure to Launch. <laughs> a major motion picture <laughs> actor. Yes. Um, and so we mentioned him again later, probably in one of the viewer mail questions. But uh, Terry Bradshaw, and not a popular guy around these parts. So I'm really interested to see the Reds. Surprised to see him go, uh, you know, move in within the division. So, yeah, he's not, ninety years old. Um, so anyway, whatever. Uh, anything else you want to say about the coaches? I, I don't have a whole lot of analysis. That they are who they are. is a Vanderbilt product, so I don't know how you feel about that. Vandy well, baseball and UVA baseball have a bit of a storied past. They do, but now if he's as good as the other Vandy uh, former Vandy guy. In the on the Reds coaching staff, you know that, that pitching coach. What's his name? Yeah, Johnson. Yeah, that dude's a uh, a Vandy guy as well. The only I like other him. I like him a lot. The only other thing that might warrant mentioning is that, and I don't know if it's how true it is, how legit, or if it's just the uh, the Nick Crawl spin cycle. But they were giving McKeithen credit for Brandon Drury's turnaround and saying that he has kind of been that guy behind the scenes, working with some of these players who. Like Drury, you know, outperform their their careers. So, if if you're looking for something to get excited about, I guess that's it. Well, listen, and that's the reason why I don't really want to go too deep on the analysis because we don't really know. Uh, I hope that's the case. He's 31 years old, you know, and he's he's been a uh, minor league hitting coordinator with the Tigers. He's been the assistant hitting coach with the Reds. So he's clearly got some talent. He's impressed some people around the league at his age to be able to work into a position like this. So I don't know it. Again, I, I'm I'm happy to criticize the Reds every time they deserve to be criticized. Here, maybe they deserve to be criticized, but there's not enough on the surface for, for us to say that. It looks it's fine, whatever it is, what it is. These are assistant coaches, and, and you mentioned Carlos Guevara for the third time. I guess we're going to mention him today because I did actually dip into Twitter for a brief moment just today, and I saw him say something about um, the, that everyone needs to hear, which essentially, if you are are complaining about assistant hitting coaches and even hitting and pitching coaches in the big leagues. By and large, you're an idiot because almost no one in the big leagues really truly needs a, a, a hitting coach. Now, they need them maybe to, to, to kind of sand off some ed- edges or whatever, but you don't need somebody teaching someone to hit in the big leagues. That happens way before, you know, so it's kind of a different job. Most, most yahoos that watch the game think about the, the guy that taught them to hit in Little League, you know, hey, get your, get your elbow up. Get that elbow up. That's how you're going to be a good hitter. That's not what they do in the uh, in the big league. So I thought that was an interesting point that maybe bears into this discussion. Nate, one last thing I wanted to mention here before we get into the viewer mails. And we don't have to talk about it too much, but I want to mention that uh, Bobby Nightingale over at the Inquirer posted a, uh, uh, had a, had a long piece today uh, published about Ellie De La Cruz, Red Super Prospect Ellie De La Cruz. And actually, uh, earlier today, our buddy uh, Bill Lack uh, alerted me to it. And then I saw uh, later in the day that uh, Joe Farsing in our Slack channel, our uh, Riverfront Slack channel, had um, uh, mentioned it as well. And it is re- I'm not going to get into it too deep, but it is really, really an in-depth, really good, really well-written, well-reported uh, piece of work about Deadly Cruz, where uh, Nightingale just basically goes and gets quotes from opponents, from his teammates from his coaches and from scouts around the league uh, and from broadcasters, including uh, Justin Rock, who was here last week on the show. Uh, and uh, and we talked a lot about Ellie De La Cruz and what he saw. He, he, he talked to uh, Bobby Nightingale as well. It's, it's really just a, it's a long read. 
the only one that I will highlight is um, in the part on coaches. He talked to Juan Samuel. Now, people of my vintage will remember Juan Samuel, mostly with the Phillies. Uh, was a three-time All-Star. Played 16 years in the big leagues. He actually played for the Reds for a very short period of time in, I believe, 1993. He's 61 now, joined the Reds organization this, this year as the bench coach at uh, at Dayton. And so he worked with uh, Ellie De La Cruz. And uh, and here's here's his quote. Uh, he was asked, what, what stood out about Ellie De La Cruz? And he, here's the quote. Everything, said Samuel, laughing. I haven't seen a player like that. I can't think of any player I've seen in my 40-whatever years I've got in professional baseball that can do the things that he does. Uh, it just, again, it, is it hyperbole? Maybe. But everyone's saying five tool athlete is great, um, and he's uh, he's humble. He's uh, a nice guy, great teammate. It's I just know he's going to flame out and break all of our hearts. But right now, I just I'm in the cult of Ellie De La Cruz, and so if you get a chance to go look, I think it's uh, just for subscribers. But uh, if you if you're subscribed, you get a chance to look at that. It's it's amazing. Nate, anything you want to say to that? I got a question for you. Is he the most hyped prospect? And, and and how long? I mean, he might be the most hype prospect of my cognizant fanhood. I mean, Jay Bruce was hyped, sure, but like, I don't think he was. Ellie, no one's comparing Jay Bruce to Barry Bonds. And literally, that's what they're doing in this in this band, yeah. and comparing him to Eric Davis. Um, Bruce is the guy I would say because Bruce was the number consensus number one overall prospect in baseball. So. Ellie's not been declared that by whoever does uh, this, do these declarations. He may get there. Uh, he shot through the minor league so quickly. It's I've never seen anything like him. Um, you know, I, you, you might say Hunter Green, but even Hunter Green, you know, with he was injured, so the hype train got – and they had the COVID year. We didn't really get to see him, so the hype train didn't really get uh, built up the same way. Uh, I've, I've not – I don't remember – and with social media, I guess is the other thing. Jay Bruce, we didn't really have the social media like we have now. Now every night, someone's posting a, a tweet showing a video of uh, Ellie De La Cruz turning a single into an inside the park home run. Or that's something. what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you lined up Jay Bruce at 20 years old and Ellie De La Cruz at 20 years old, like you can't tell me that people will leave that being like, "Yep, Jay Bruce is better." Well, that's true. That's true. He has a higher ceiling than the other guy. Uh, the one thing that I thought was interesting, and, that, and that's a good question, and I can't really think of any others. Um, maybe, maybe Paul Householder, maybe a Brandon Larson. Sorry, I can't tell if you're joking or not. I, mean, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was, I was joking. Uh, the, the interesting thing to me was they talked to a couple scouts from other organizations who uh, sort of agreed that they thought De La Cruz could stick at shortstop, and if Ellie mm-hmm. De La Cruz can stick at shortstop, and, and essentially the argument was with the analytics we use and the positioning that you, you can, you know, you can take a someone that's closer to average at shortstop and keep them there where you couldn't really in the past. Um, but they said, he's got all the tools to, to do it, that it, there may be some growing pains. You know, I, I think back to Barry Larkin making 40 errors, I think in his first full season at shortstop and then becoming a gold glover, but they, they, they say he could stick. And if Ellie De La Cruz can stick at shortstop, I mean, you've got a, you've got a superstar in your hands, potentially. He could be a, uh, the next Nomar Garcia Parra. Oh no, man! From your mouth to God's ears, no ma. All right, Nate, you want to answer some viewer mail questions? Yes, please. All, All right. I've ever wanted. <laughs> These questions again come from our friends at Patreon.com/slash Riverfront Cincy. Now, I, I delayed this one week because I wanted to wait to to get it back uh, with you here, Nate. We do have a new 
member of the Patreon family. It's, uh, it's Adam. <laughs> there you go. Adam Fosky. Adam, uh, first of all, let me begin by saying thank you. Thank you so much for joining us uh, here um, on this ridiculous, ridiculous, uh, whatever we call our, ourselves here. I don't even know what it is now. It's just, it's insane. Uh, Adam, uh, boy, I hope I gave you an invitation to the Slack channel. Have you seen Adam in the Slack channel? <laughs> I think I have, but I can't remember. Uh, Nate's going to check right now. I'm just now thinking, I'm 90, 99% sure I've, ta- I've even talked to him in there. But uh, anyway, so part of what happens when you join uh, join the crew here is you get a shout out. And you get, uh, if you sign up at a certain level, and you also get a, a position on the Beer League softball team, the Riverfront's Beer League softball team. So, um I've already said thank you, and I'll say thank you again, Adam. But Nate, we got to come up with a position for Adam on the beer league softball team. And you have any thoughts off the top of your head? I went with a quick gut reaction on this one, and I went with a uh, hits for average, high average, slick fielding second baseman who leads the Riverfront uh, Chucklehead Beer League in uh, double plays. He t- turns mean double plays with Harris Interesting. Interesting. That's what I got. That's what I got. Well, I, you know, I, I hear the Seven, name. 790 on base percentage. Oh, now that's not bad. That's not even for a beer league softball team. That's not bad. Um, I was thinking middle infield as well. You know, I just, I couldn't decide where I was going, but I was going to say, uh, I was leaning towards a utility uh, middle, middle infielder. You can play shortstop, play second, but I think I like what you, what you've got there. Slick fielder. Um, just, you know, uh, maybe even in the Brandon Phillips mold in some ways. Would you, would you think that? I like that, but I'm not going to welcome someone into the Patreon family and then be like, also, you're a utility man. We'll see where you end up. <laughs> That's true. <Sorry>. Although, <laughs> All right. Well, so Adam, <laughs> thank you. You're our, uh, you're our new second baseman. Um, whoever we've given second base to in the past, uh, sorry, uh, you've been replaced. And in that spirit, we have a question from Rex Scott. <laughs> Rex asks this, Chad and Nate, can we get a whole roster review of the Beer League softball team? Have you moved anyone from their original roster spot? Who makes up the coaching staff? What's the name of our team? Um, okay, first of all, about uh, the roster spots, we really should have been keeping track of this all along. <laughs> we may have to, like, uh, in the Slack channel or something, everybody's going to contribute what their position was because I didn't have a binky. I just, we say it, and then we, you know, um, take another drink and move on. Um, so, any, any thoughts about that part of it, Nate? I think that it would be a uh, really, really fun gimmick for our monthly patreon hang we get on there we hash it out i also think that at this point we might need an entire league not just one team so well this was like some round robin situation we are getting our roster is getting kind of full um which is a good thing but uh, yeah we've given out every position a, a few times um who the coaching you know to, to me the coach i'm the coach and and uh you know bill Lack and chris garber as well Nate, you can decide whether you want to be a player coach because you're young enough that you can get in the game i'm a I'm past that time. I'm the drinking coach. Okay. You're the drinking coach and you spent plenty of time behind a bar. So, uh, and I mean, in the alley behind a bar, we don't want to talk about those days. It was not a good, not a good time in his life. Started out in front of the bar. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and what's the name of our team? You know, I hadn't really thought, I just assumed we were the the riverfront, uh, but there's gotta be a better name than just the riverfront. What do you think, Nate? I just called us the chuckleheads and I don't think that should be the, uh, the The riverfront chuckleheads. No, it right. is appropriate. So we'll uh, we'll hash this out on the next Patreon hangout. Yeah, and we need to get that scheduled, Nate. So let's not forget to do that. Um, and do we, are we sure it's not Patreon? <laughs> it might be Patreon. I've only ever read it. I'm, I'm, I'm going with Patreon. No. 
Saint Patreon. I think there's a holiday for for him. Um. All right. Ne- next question Questions. on our. <laughs> yes, our viewer mail question. Nate, you want to take this question because uh, I'm not sure I quite understand the question from uh, your your buddy Joe. Do you, do you see it there, Joe Farsing, host of co-host with says, Nate of the Riverfront Bengals show. Boom, which is dope, and you should all watch. It is. It's fantastic. It's better every week. If you're not subscribed, you, what, what are you even doing with your life? It's amazing. Ridiculous. And the Bengals are actually good. So Joe's question is just this. Q. What does that What does that mean? He just, he just got, put a Q. It's got me a little worried. I just want to reassure Joe that there's nothing nefarious going down at the pizza restaurant. <laughs> well, that was my nothing, first question. Nothing nefarious at all. Is he trying to start some kind of a conspiracy theory group here within the uh, the Riverfront family? Got to keep an eye on him. Pizza. Just pizza. Oh my goodness. Um, I worry that he. Have you talked to him in the last few hours? I have not. Because I, I hope not. he didn't, you know, collapse yeah. after typing the first letter of his question and he's laying on his uh, the floor of his office or something. Could be a cry for help. Could be. Joe, I don't, I don't know how to answer your question, but no conspiracy theories here, pal. Next question comes from Rex Scott. Wait, we already heard that name. Rex says this. Yes, I am brazenly asking two questions. How dare you, Rex Scott? Yeah, how guy. dare you? What possessed Chad to tweet recently that Undercover Brother was a great movie? That's the only movie in my life that I've walked out on because it was so pointless and stupid. What was it about that insipid film that caused Chad to sing its praises on a social media platform. <laughs> I laughed out loud. So when I read this question. <laughs> so I don't think that history is going to agree with whatever your take ends up being on this, Chad. <laughs> but I can say that I finally, finally remember my big bro just liberally passing out fist bumps and telling me that I've got soul for, for a season <laughs> of his life. <laughs> it's true. So for that reason alone, it's a it's a perfectly fine film. <laughs> Here's all I got to say. First of all, I did not say it was a great movie. I said it was the most underrated movie of all time, um, <laughs> and which is also hyperbole. Uh, the other things I have to say is this. Number one, solid. <laughs> <laughs> you mess with the fro, you got to go. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Kung. Kung who? Kung fu. <laughs> Just the most amazing. Eddie Griffin as undercover brother. Um, it just it's it's just glorious. It's the funniest movie. It's not the funniest movie ever. It's not even close to the funniest movie ever. But there was a certain moment where I watched that with a bunch of guys, and we were just thought it was the funniest thing ever. And so I rewatched it recently, if you can believe that. And it's you got soul. It's still it's you got soul. I don't have soul, but that movie's still funny. Sorry, Rex. Um, you're just gonna have to deal with it. How dare you walk out on Undercover Brother? You ever walked out of a movie, Nate, in the middle of the one movie? one movie in my life. Really? What was it? And it was the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> really? That's yeah. a well-regarded movie. I went there. I think I was probably like a senior in high school, maybe, and went with some buddies. And we got 40, 40 minutes in or so. We're like, it's doing nothing. Doing nothing for me. God wow. Me. I've never, I've never walked out of a movie, but I did go to a movie once, and I counted eleven people walked out during the movie. Ooh. And it wasn't like we had, there was a full theater either. It was a tiny theater. It was a, a movie called, it's a T- Terrence Malick was the director called tree of life. And it's a weird movie. It's oh, I know that one. Brad Pitt's in it. Uh, but it's, uh, 
it's different. And I counted 11 people walked out of it and I did not, I didn't really understand it the first time I watched it, but, uh, but I, I hung in there. All right. Seth Shaner says, see, you told me to be more concise and then you don't read my question. I guess you'll have to get two this week. First of all, yeah, we did, we did skip Seth's question last week, but Nate, what are we, we have to do something administratively about everyone flouting the rules and asking more than one question. This is twice yeah. already this week. What's, what's the punishment? Calling us out. Rex was right. He's being very, very brazen. We need to, you know, the, the inmates are running the asylum. Here, that's they are. They're, they are getting way more brazen. <laughs> it's not good. Um, they, uh, Seth asks this. Um, first, I'm sure you've talked about the $30 million influx of cash the Reds are getting. I have not. And what he's uh, yet, uh, what he has talked, because I was waiting for this question to discuss it. Disney paid Major League Baseball $900 million uh, is, is, is to pay them this week for the remainder of the uh, Major League Baseball's advanced media money essentially you know the uh um bam tech is what they call it you know mob.tv all that uh kind of infrastructure they sold it to, to disney sometime back this is the final 15 percent of it so now mob owns none of that so it's 900 millions each team gets 30 million of that which means the reds are getting an influx of 30 million dollars and which you know well, I'll, let me finish this question and before I make my dumb joke. Um, I read that the Players Association will be monitoring what clubs do with the money. Is there any more glaring indicator of the owner's power than the fact that the players really can't do anything about what money is spent? Um, well, the owners do have all the power. I think you're right, uh, Seth. Uh, what's going to happen with this money? You know what's going to happen with it? Nothing. It's going to go in. It's going to go into. You know, they'll tell you maybe they're uh, investing it in. I don't know what they're, they're not going to tell you anything. Actually, they're not going to say a word about it. And it's, you're never going to see that actually get spent on the, at least not this year. So where does it go? Goes to the bottom line, I guess. Nate. I don't really want to go too much deeper into this. We, we, we harp on this, this exact issue within our, our respective fandom, just about every episode. So I don't think we're breaking any ground for any, any listeners here, but, I just want to say, I get people choosing to be optimistic and get excited. This is sports. It's entertainment. It's supposed to be fun. But this um, this blind faith and excuse-making for ownership is pretty frustrating to watch. If I wasn't on Twitter, I would never hear about it. So I am actually at fault here. Just don't get on Twitter. But, yeah, it's not going to go to the team. All we're going to do is go in with no expectations and hope the 2023 Reds make a Gordon Bombay-esque Mighty Ducks run and uh, <laughs> capture capture the title. Yes. Cannot wait to watch the movie about their 2023 Red season. It's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, that's all I want to say about that. So that's, uh, thanks for the question, but the money stuff bums me out. So his second question, which is the question from last week. He says, uh, greetings from Hollywood Studios. Are you still at Hollywood Studios? You were last week and still this week, Seth Shaner. He said, with that in mind, what's the most roller coaster season you can recall? Mine might be 2006, he says. So, first of all, Nate, do you like roller coasters? I want to know if Seth is stuck at Hollywood Studios. Ooh. Can, can he come home? Is he on the Tower of Terror? Is he trapped forever? I do like roller coasters, except the one time when I uh, was a little hungover. And me, me and me and the, the better half made a pit stop at Six Flags. And let me tell you, three roller coasters in, and I was ready to admit that it was a bad, <laughs> bad decision. Oh, 
the roller coaster was a bad choice. It's so damn hot. Milk was a bad choice. All right, I love roller coasters. Absolutely adore them. That's all I'm going to say. The most roller coaster season, uh, that's a tough question because how you define that. But I think he, uh, Seth suggests 2006. And I started thinking about it. And I couldn't come up with any better than that 2006 season. That was a, you, we talk about irrational optimism, maybe. That was a year that I was really all in on the Reds. I thought this is going to be the year. They had an offense that I just thought was going to score boatloads of run. And all they needed was a pitching staff that kind of, kind of be okay. They had, uh, you know, they had a Bronson Arroyo and Aaron Harang, a great top two, frankly, at that time. And then after that, you know, they they, they had a guy named Eric Milton, <laughs> Elizardo Ramirez, Brandon Clausen, <laughs> Kyle Loesch. So the pitching wasn't good, but the hitting was so it was so good. But I thought this is a team that has a chance. And then you know they started out pretty well. Um, they um, let's see here the, the hitters on that team. Before I go into the, what happened that season in terms of. Uh, the schedule, uh, Adam Dunn, King Griffey Jr., Austin Kearns in the outfield. Ed, young Edwin Encarnacion uh, had a really good year that year in uh, 117 games, 276 average, 359 on base, hit 15 homers. Uh, Felipe Lopez was at short. Um, former Reds All-Star Felipe Lopez. Young Brandon Phillips, 25 years old. First baseman, Scotty Hatterberg. Uh, so a really, really kind of fun team. Ryan Friel was on that team, played in 132 games. Just a uh, a lot of fun. They finished the season 80 and 82, but they started out well. You know, they were um, uh, spent 23 days in uh, in first place. They uh, as late as August 24th, they were in first place. But then they finished uh, they uh, finished the season, and they were as many as 12 games over 500. They finished the season two games under 500 and in third place. They just absolutely fell off a cliff at the end. So I don't know if it was a roller coaster. Um, but it was definitely uh, highs and lows, peaks and valleys within one season. And um, it was a fun season for a long time because I could, had convinced myself by August that finally, finally the Reds are, you know, and it had only been seven years only since the 99 team that was in the in the race. So, but I thought, here we go. We got a good team. And so and then it ended with just incredible disappointment. So, uh, Nate, any, other, any thoughts about that team or any other? I will submit for the committee's approval uh, 2010. Um, they weren't exactly expected to uh, run away with the division by any means. And then halfway through the year, they're they're playing pretty well. We got a uh, big giant brawl against the Cardinals. I think they got swept in a four-game set. And then they just stormed through the second half. It leads us to uh, Jay Bruce's walk-off of Clinchmas, and which leads to a playoff berth and the most exciting time of my entire Reds fanhood, and then they get no hit in the playoffs. <laughs> there you <laughs> and go. Then up, down. Go to Cincinnati for a home playoff game, which was also the most up that I've ever been in Cincinnati. The place was rocking; it was electric. Just to lose and get swept. That is a roller coaster, my friend. <laughs> that is a roller coaster. Uh, the other Larue got spiked in the head by Johnny oh. Cueto. It was. Jim Edmonds was involved. Oh gosh, Jimmy! <laughs> There's Edmonds. a lot going on. Arch nemesis of the uh, the Riverfront podcast, Jimmy Edmonds. Uh, the only the other one that I would maybe mention just very quickly would probably be actually 1990 is one that comes to mind because they start out nine and zero, and they are wire to wire. So you wouldn't think that's that's a roller coaster, but if you remember 
August and September, the Reds I were, uh, I don't know, the Reds were uh, not playing well going into the playoffs. They were really kind of bad, so, especially the last couple weeks of the season. And so the, the expectations coming out, coming out, the Reds going to the playoffs, but, you know, I don't think there were many expectations at all because of how poorly they've been playing it down the stretch. And then, of course, you know, the, the great playoffs. So up, down, up. Um, that's a good, good, fun question. Next question comes from James Urban. James says, uh, what's the greatest Christmas movie of all time? What is the greatest Christmas movie of all time? And to answer that question, Nate, I am going to refer to you as a cotton-headed ninny muggins. <laughs> you call me worse. <laughs> that's that's on Christmas morning. You've called me worse. <laughs> that's, that's no doubt true. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. You know what movie this is? It's Elf, baby. Elf, starring uh, the brilliant Will Ferrell. He, I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. It's almost time for us to do our annual. Um... You know, the Reds season in Elf Quotes. Oh, that's coming up. Coming up. Coming up. Going to be exciting. Uh, So I won't waste any more Elf Quotes. That's my uh, favorite Christmas movie, Elf. Um, My favorite, I'm a little partial to A Christmas Story. Uh, You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Sure, sure. It's it's fragile, Italian. Um, But this this year, I'm trying to watch as many Christmas movies as I can. It's just never been something I, I prioritize. You know, Home Alone, Christmas Story, It's a Wonderful Life. You know, the classics, sure. But I want to get a little weird this year. And the one I'm looking forward to the most is called Fat Man. <laughs> I've not seen that yet. This? I've heard have of it. I haven't seen it, yes. For those that have not, well, let me just tell you that it stars Mel Gibson as Santa Claus and Walton Goggins. And the plot follows an unorthodox Santa who must fight off an assassin sent by a vengeful naughty kid. <laughs> Sounds amazing. It's got like 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so I've good reviews, yeah. So excited to watch this. <laughs> That's fantastic. I uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, probably uh, my favorite, really, because uh, I just watch it over and over, and I just, I've just i always loved it. But uh, that's a good idea. Watch as many uh, Christmas movies as you can this year. Um, Joey Gadiza, what would be the biggest Reds off-season Christmas miracle? I assume it would have to be the Castellini cell on the team, correct? Yeah, you answered your own question, and, and that's encouraged. If you want to ask a viewer mail question and go ahead and answer it, we can just move on to the next one. Anything yeah, we're on time say? crunch here. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Appreciate you, buddy. Uh, Kyle Kapler, besides Deion Sanders, which former Reds player should apply for the UC head football coaching job? Also, the Reds uh, will, sign, will sign Will Myers next week at the winter meetings. I'd be fine with that, Kyle. Bring it on. Um, and sort of actually kind of fits with uh, where the Reds are in this in this cycle. Uh, which former Reds player should apply for the UC head fo- football coaching job? Of course, Luke Fickle, uh, fantastic coach, leaving the University of Cincinnati, moving on to uh, Wisconsin for a huge payday. Some talk about Deion Sanders, uh, which I don't think is going to happen, but um, it'd be great if it did. I mean, he's done a great job. Um, the other one I can think of is uh, who's another former Red that played football. Adam Dunn. It's got to be Adam Dunn. I think we're on the same page here. Yeah, bring him back. There you go. No other answer than Adam Dunn. Agreed? Absolutely. Last last question of the week comes from our buddy Hooper Powell. Another uh, movie question. Um, this is World Cup week, and the teams are full of bad actors. So who are your favorite actors? And if we have time, who's your 
I assume he's saying who's your least favorite at least favorite actor. Well, there's, that's an easy one for me, but so favorite actors and least favorite actor. I'm assuming we're talking about current actors, Nate. Is that the way you took this question? I what didn't see this question. So oh. I'm going off the cuff here. <laughs> okay. That's right. This was, <laughs> this came in just under the wire. That's why you, you I've added this late. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to vamp for a minute here and let you think uh, a little bit. Uh, my favorite actor, the greatest actor, really, I, I, I've kind of said, are we thinking about all time actors? in which, you know, Cary Grant, John Wayne, probably in the mix, or just current actors. So I went with current actors, but my favorite current actor, actually, as it turns out, is the greatest actor of all time as well. So it could be uh, either of those categories. And I'm talking, of course, about um, action star Jason Statham. Jason Statham is the most amazing actor. I just He's he's perfect in every way. I have, uh, I don't know what to say, go watch, uh, go watch Snatch and, and you'll understand. Jason Statham. Uh, maybe some, I guess I could think of some uh, honorable mentions. I like uh, I, I like that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. I like Brad Pitt. Uh, Margot Robbie. Amy Adams. How about that Tom Cruise? Everybody likes Tom Cruise, right? He's a nut, but that man, he's fun Tom to watch on the screen. Guy, yeah. Um, who else? Uh, you know who I like? I like that Emily Blunt, married to the, the office guy. She's pretty good. Um. Hmm, who else? Uh, I don't know. That's 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 uh, that's a pretty good cross section, I think. Uh, Nate, what do you think? Any my, other? Two, my two favorites that I want to throw out. My number one is Daniel Day Lewis. Um, I watch anything, any and everything Daniel Day Lewis does. I think he's the best actor I've ever I've ever seen. Um, I'm a big Cillian Murphy fan. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Love that guy. And Oscar Isaac is the other guy I want to throw out there. What about Ryan Gosling? You got any love for Ryan Gosling? I don't have any hate for Ryan Gosling, but he's not, he's, he's not, he's not at the top for him. I get, I get Ryan Reynolds if we're going to have to pick a Ryan. Well, if you're talking about, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is a guy you want to hang out with. He's, he seems fun. You know, I like him. Uh, great, great movie star. I don't know, but yeah, take Ryan Reynolds. What about least favorite, Nate? Least favorite movie star. I am probably going to go with Shia LaBeouf. Cause Outrageous. It's, fun. it's fun. It's fun to say LaBeouf. It is, that, it is fun to say that. There's no question about that. There's only one answer to that question, and and longtime viewers will know who we're what we're saying going here. It's 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 Mark Ruffalo. Yeah. Oh, Mark good. Ruffalo. It's the legit. worst. All right, we got to finish on. We got to end on that one. Go watch uh, Snatch, uh, starring Jason Statham and uh, and Brad Pitt in a strange role for Brad Pitt. One of my favorite movies of all time. It is. It's fantastic. It's uh, directed by Guy Ritchie. Just amazing. Um, final thoughts for us here, Nate. That's it. Uh, boycott Mark Ruffalo this holiday season. <laughs> please, please boycott Mark Ruffalo. Thanks to everyone for listening and supporting the Riverfront. Please remember to subscribe to the show either on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Riverfront Sensi. At Riverfront Sensi on all those platforms. It's uh, youtube.com slash Riverfront Sensi. You can also click the link in the show notes. And then once again, just want to say a huge thank you to our supporters at patreon.com slash Riverfront Sensi. This show would literally not be possible without the support of our, our Patreon family. And so we'd love for you to join in all our uh, weirdness that's going on over there. So just click that link in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash Riverfront All right, for Nate Dotson and Lance Nix, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. 
a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big. 